0: This episode of The Great Equalizer is proudly brought to you by Supreme Facility, a pharmacological support system for busy parents who may or may not be lacking in the self-care department. What do you mean? Well, are you burning the candle at both ends, Sam? Uh, Guilty. (laughs) Are you forgetting to eat regularly? Yes. Or are you choosing fast and convenient foods on a regular basis?
1: Uh. Uh, that's me you got me
0: Uh, me. (laughs) then you're probably lacking in the right vitamins minerals and other essential nutrients needed for optimum health and well-being add the supreme fertility wellness five-in-one multivitamin
1: mineral amino acids and antioxidant support supplement to your daily regime Supreme Wellness is suitable for the whole family for maintenance of good health in adults and children above six years of age. Visit supremefertility.co.za
0: or visit your nearest Van Heerden Pharmacy to find out more.
1: The Great Equalizer, a parenting podcast about the realities of being a mom or dad in modern Josie. We are your hosts, Sam and Charlene, and we believe we're all rocking the same kind of crazy. So let's get real, let's
0: get honest, and let's have a laugh about the ups and downs of our current upside down. Hashtag no judges. This week on The
1: Great Equalizer, Sam plays night nurse. Charlene is back in isolation, and we talk parenting and politics with journalist, news editor, and entrepreneur, Varashni Pillay. Hello. Hello. We're back in isolation, because it's (laughs) a third wave, and we all love Mm. it. Not so much. The joys, the joys, the joys. Why? What's happening? Yeah, I mean...
0: It's just um, the kids had some COVID cases at school, but I think most schools by now have actually had someone or more than just one someone um, test positive and then they have to close the school down and isolate just that class where the uh, the outbreak happened. So it happened a couple of weeks back. It was just one child um, and the parents didn't test positive. Um, But then... Now, uh, one child tested positive and then the mom tested positive, And then a couple of days later, the teacher that hosts that particular class, uh, facilitates that particular class, tested positive, And then two other kids as well. So basically, the kids didn't go back to school uh, from the public holiday. And we just stayed at home because we basically have to check for 10 days for any symptoms. And then obviously not see anyone. So we did the same thing. And um, then they closed that particular class down for the rest of the term. Um, So those children and that teacher won't be returning to the school. So only the other classes that has had no cases um, returned after the deep cleaning. And they did check with the department if it was okay to reopen. And also now there's very few kids at school. Very few kids actually went back for the rest of this term. And I've sent my two just because, I mean, I know it's a risk and it essentially puts us at risk. So what we've decided to do is send the kids, um, but they just go to school and come back home and we see no one for the next like two weeks because we don't know if the children were exposed, they might not show any symptoms. They might bring it home and we might be sick and not know it. So we're avoiding people just so that we don't, if we have it, but we don't feel it, that we don't infect anyone, and um, just to be safe, you know, I, we don't want to make our parents sick. We don't want to, we don't want to make anybody that they get in contact to sick. My sister in law's also pregnant, so we don't want to put her at risk. My in laws see them because they help with the baby a lot with there because they've got a little baby that's Noah's age, and she's uh, expecting her second. So it's a risk, you know, and we don't want to make. We didn't do anything for Father's Day. We had scheduled just my dad to see my dad and my father in law. And um, for a breakfast, but we cancelled it because it's just it's too much of a risk, and we we'll, are worth it, we'll, yeah and um, we'll get back together again once this wave has taken a dip, and things are are looking better. I think it just it's the responsible thing to do
1: It's really almost scary that the amount of children that I've been hearing about, and look to be honest, everything just yesterday, I heard of three families close to me, families i haven't seen. Obviously, but three families sort of in my uh, close circle who are battling COVID in their households and a um, chil- lot of children, none in Elijah's school, thank goodness, but he did have midterm break and uh, just before, well, as midterm break ended because that's what happens to me, he got sick and I mean, he bounces back incredibly fast, that kid, he's got a a system like, no I love an immune system, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, it was bad enough that I just said to Ray last week, we must take him. And so my little guy had his first COVID test. It came out negative. Thank goodness. Thank goodness, yeah. And then this week, guess who now has the same thing that Elijah had? His brother. Let me guess, little Noah. Noah. Oh man,
0: which is why you know know I'm playing I,
1: night nurse. It's been.
0: I was gonna. I was gonna ask fun, you about yeah. that. I also wanted to just on the COVID topic say that you've heard of a lot of fam- families battling it. I have in the, my immediate vicinity heard of a lot of people like fatalities as mm. a result of. Look, so it's really crazy.
1: We're in Chanting. Chanting is the epicenter of the third wave, and it's yeah, frankly, it makes me want to dig my head in the sand. It's been more than a year. I've been feeling incredibly depressed. I mean, I I think I I feel like I had to keep my head up and my shoulders broad last year when we were going through this because I was pregnant and I had to stay strong for my family. And now it's just, it's wearing me down. I can't, I, I don't want to anymore. I don't want to COVID anymore. And Mm. there's a lot of things that make me want to dig my head in the sand at the moment. The pandemic being one of them. And it's it's actually why I've stopped tuning into quote unquote family meetings. If you're in South Africa, you would know family meetings are our presidential (laughs) addresses. Presidential
0: addresses our president (laughs) addresses the nation.
1: Look, if someone sends me COVID numbers, I'm just like, just give me the highlights. But I don't like I'm not delving too deep into it. I can't be consumed by this. I was like that last last year, but even more so now when people try to engage with me on news of the state of the nation, you know, in in all other aspects, I really just want to disappear. I I can't Mm. anymore Mm. with this. Just tell me something nice.
0: You know what it is also, aside from the fact that the news is more often than not quite depressing. What I also find frustrating in like this particular state that's or place that we find ourselves in, in this country and in the world is that, and we did, we've spoken about this when COVID first hit, we did our episode and we spoke about fake news, but there's still just this morning I got sent a message, like a news update about, of a hospital being full and people dying outside the hospital because there's no more oxygen machines, there. they don't have, they run out of ventilators. That is false information, and it gets spread all the time. So I can't, I don't actually blame you for checking out. I mean, you're a journalist, so you you would know what is a credible source and whatnot, and to fact check and to consider the source but a lot of people a lot
1: of parents I'm sure a lot of don't, don't know boomers like the boomer generation I you know I use that tongue-in-cheek but it's it's really like our parents and and the older generations as well that when I you can see you can see and I say it on my whatsapp groups family whatsapp groups and I might come across as a bit of a you know a bit of a know-it-all here but when it says forwarded many times that doesn't increase its veracity that doesn't you know it doesn't make it any more true just because it's been forward multiple times in fact it's quite the opposite yes because it's
0: sensational and that's what it's being forwarded for the very reason what makes me unhappy about that is a lot of parents are already anxious depressed worried concerned at their wits end depleted mentally tapped out like you are like most of us are and there's a lot of moms who have given birth in this pandemic with newborns or young babies and it is just taking its toll so this kind of information this kind of misinformation or being misinformed like that it is taxing and the news the news is important but that's why people check out so it's actually kind of perfect because that is what we will be talking about today
1: indeed Tell me if you recognize this song. (laughs) Does that take you back? Oh, my goodness.
0: That is some some carte blanche memories right there. I remember I remember every Sunday as a kid growing up hearing that song and I'd be so bloody
1: depressed because it's the next day was Monday and we'd have to go to bed. That song is the epitome of the Sunday blues. We always had tests on Monday, and it just I, I can my chest tightens at the thought of that song. I I hate it. I can imagine. And I did my homework and I studied. I can imagine people who didn't. Shame. (laughs) Shame. You must be feeling much worse than me. I I was one of those kids. I only sometimes did my homework. (laughs) That anxiety. I'm so feeling it now. And where's my CBD oil? (laughs) (laughs) So this week we are chatting news and politics. Charlene. We're going there. Ooh. We're taking our head out of the sand. So now tell me, let's <laughs> chat. We've been meaning to catch up on Ramaphosa and that license exemption cap to 100 megawatts. Hey, how about that? The what now? <laughs> <laughs> how about, oh, wait, you know what we haven't chatted about? Old Zweli Kize getting the boots. Our health minister in the Thank middle for. of a vaccine rollout. He's on, a, he's on a paid I, for sabbatical. Oh, paid sabbatical. for leave, paid for sabbatical. <laughs> yeah. it's, I mean, shame. Must be so tricky being him right now. Hey, oh, and you know what else? We haven't, we haven't chatted about the, the shiz show that is SAA, our national airline. What do you think about that one, hey? Where, how, oh. how, how are we going to fly? So what well, can we, we even, book?
0: Well, where would we be flying? We're a red zone country. <laughs> we ain't going anywhere because our vaccine rollout is is um is
1: not up to snuff. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's it's all fun and games here yeah, in Cozy SA. I don't want to be the the a bearer of bad news, but I suppose if you look at our our news sites, they're they're the bearer of bad news. We just yeah. you know we just along for the ride. In all honesty, in all honesty, I've had to even as a journalist just turn a blind eye. M- my bottom line for each of these things is: Scom, get your nonsense sorted. We've been here before. Like done. I'm done. 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 <laughs> Cyril. Figure it out, <laughs> Mr. President. Please ensure vaccine rollout is above board and that it actually happens. I'm ready for my jab, sir. <laughs> Done with COVID now, thanks. And I didn't even know what to say about SAA to be honest. So let's move on. Yeah, please. <laughs> what news? <laughs> what news are you ingesting? Are you ingesting any kind of news? Do you do we just read scary mommy and and Instagram and call it a day? <laughs> like what?
0: <laughs> I if. If I'm not listening to a podcast or music in the car, I catch the odd news bulletin on the radio. And then I must say I, I, I'm i always like, okay, well, that sounds important. It sounds like I should know what's going on there, but it makes no sense to me. And then I'm always like on the drive home, I need to, like, I need to ask an adultier adult <laughs> than me, like, what is that about? So I'll be like, love, um, I heard this, red, like this was on the news, like, can you just explain to me what that means exactly? Like, I get what they're saying, but what does that mean for us? <laughs> can me like the give me like the 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 like the average joe's uh language
1: (laughs) you know what news i was interested in and now i'm really embarrassed to say that i shared it on tge's facebook platform and i'm half inclined to go delete it because it's it's that embarrassing the tembisa 10 you were on top of that I, news, weren't you? That—that that was know, something. I know. I did. It was very. It was. It was very interesting and very
0: newsworthy. Worthy, but in, so let's in, just in, fill people in. What was that? That was. So it was a mom who actually was pregnant with 10 babies. First it was six and then they couldn't see another two and then they discovered it was eight. And then finally it was 10 that she apparently gave birth to and they were all alive. Allegedly gave birth to. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah. But that, that was an article that was shared and it was a Pretoria news article. So let's just quickly take stock there. Sam. And written and written also by the Pretoria news editor. Yes, so if we are considering our sources, then that is a credible source in my opinion. So well, you would share that. You didn't get be, that yeah. on someone's WhatsApp feed. Someone forwarded you this article. It was that says
1: this was in the Pretoria News. That's not where you got it. <laughs> and you know, I've got a I've got a soft spot for Pretoria News. It's where I cut my teeth as a journalist. It's uh it's where I did my first hard news story. So I, I did a – I did a, a, I was there for a present for a drug raid. Oh, <laughs> was, wow. Yeah, it was very exciting. It was like yeah, That must have been really exciting for you. You're such a vanilla person. <laughs> that must
0: have been like, wow.
1: You know what? Uh, the drug raids are super boring. You meet the police at the place, and by that time, they've already done the arrest and um, kind of handcuffed the guy, and they do their due diligence and, and find all the drugs and whatever. And um, – and then you and can then just
0: interview uh, them on site. Probably
1: maybe maybe like two hours later, you do a walkthrough of the facility, maybe. I don't know if it still happens this way. I mean, I've been out of that game for a while. But yeah, you you do a walkthrough of the f- facility and then you chat to the p- policeman, like how much are the drugs worth, uh, how many people were involved in the operation and and all of that. That's the exciting part, but you, it's a hurry up and wait scenario. You kind of sit okay. around with other journalists for a good time. In action like you would imagine (laughs) it on the TV. (laughs) No, if only. So yeah, I do. I've got a soft spot for the Pretorian News, but I mean the editor Pete Rampedi comes with a whole lot of baggage now that I've I've done my reading. And just today, uh, Pretoria News editor Pete Rampedi apologized for his ten baby story. We still don't know the truth. We still don't Apparently, there was a pregnant mother who gave birth, it would appear, to multiple babies. Babies. But. How
0: many, we don't know. Yes. No one has Where's the photo verified. from? Where's the photo from that was
1: featured with the article? So, the Pretoria News went to the family's home in Tembisa and um, did a photo shoot and interviewed apparently interviewed the family and the family only wanted, wouldn't settle for another journalist, wanted the editor of the Pretoria News. And the thing was the editor didn't do what he needed to do. You need to fact check. You need three independent sources. And so... To confirm that she was in fact
0: pregnant. If the parents say she's pregnant with 10 babies, then either her gynecologist or the hospital... clinic records. Or a clinic or someone needs to give evidence
1: to. To that effect, the editor needed to have seen scans and needed to have verified it through three independent sources. So you can't talk to the mother, the dad, and the uncle. That's not three independent sources.
0: Yeah, it's all from the same household, and maybe they all have the same agenda. Exactly. So he didn't do. Which what what would the agenda have been to like have the public? donate stuff because they they are in need
1: yeah i mean we had our our national baby shower which was trending on twitter the day that the news broke and organizations donated like tens of thousands of rand to support the this family with their 10 babies they also it's the 12th that they have 12 children if the story is true because they have twins so, I mean, it's problematic on all fronts. And it, you know what? It's, it's a kind of last nail in the coffin for me in my fading faith in local journalism. It's unfortunate because that, I think that is why a lot of us just
0: tune out from the news because it's just like, A, is it true? B, it's so depressing. C, pff, tomorrow it's going to come out that that wasn't actually true. And who's it's,
1: paying who? I mean, I saw something pop up on my Facebook feed the other day a memory of when I interviewed Nazim Hawa of the New Age, which was a Gupta-funded newspaper. <laughs> and he, yes, yes. he I, I mean, I interviewed him for uh, about media for the media magazine. So it was all to do with, you know, operating media in was, the media. Yeah. And I was just like, I want to work there. He was so charismatic. I completely sold what, uh, I bought what he was selling me. And, mm. you know, if you, if you look back to more recent times, or like fast forward 10 years from the time I did the interview, he is an extremely problematic individual involved mm. in the Gupta scandal, etc. And I just, it's really disheartening. And that, that, was, that wasn't, it was famously not an independent newspaper. We do still have the Mail and Guardian. We've got Times, we've got other IOL platforms, um, we've got The Citizen, uh, you know, Caxton Media House. We've got News 24. But it, it's honestly, I can, I can name problems with, that I have with each one of our news sources. The Daily Maverick is one that, that does really well as in, in terms of journalism. However, their articles can be like 3,000 words in length. As a parent? Mm, yeah, that's the thing. So, <laughs> like, so, aside, that?
0: so for me, aside from the news being depressing most days, and then secondly, m- more recently, you're like questioning, is this even true or is this even credible? There are things for me as a parent that I feel I, it's important to know about because I need to know what world I'm raising my children in and what, how that impacts our lives and their future. Okay. And yes, there will always be the SAA, the telecoms, the ESCOMs, <laughs> the all the bloody dramas that is like government owned. State um, owned enterprises. Yeah. State owned e- enterprises. But there are things that, that we need to be aware of, like, I'm just thinking
1: about the work that we did with Embrace. I mean, you can elaborate on that. Absolutely, yeah. We, so we took part in the, the learning community with Embrace and we continue to kind of stick our necks out and be part of, of what they're doing. I mean, they're doing the hard graft and we like to stay on top of their findings and what they are championing. And there was a post that really made me change my mind about my involvement in news as a parent, and that's, I think it was ahead of the budget speech. But if you think there are two big speeches, um, pres- big presidential or, um, you know, I suppose ministerial addresses that happen each year that's the State of the Nation address, which our, our, mini- our minister, our president gives, and then the budget speech, which our finance minister gives. And. Yeah, it's it's important. Embrace kind of opened my eyes to that. Embrace is a nonprofit organization. For those who who don't know, a nonprofit they're champions mothers and and motherhood in South Africa, and I mean they do so much more. It, it sounds quite pithy the way that I've, I've I've addressed that, but they put out a post saying, okay, well this is the budget speech, and this is how much money mothers in South Africa and children in South Africa are being given in terms of child support grants etc and after COVID it was quite pathetic and disappointing what what was being given to moms and Embrace and through its work kind of points that out and highlights that and it allows me it opens my eyes so that I know because if I'm a parent I need to be an advocate for my child and if I want to be an advocate for my child I think I also need to be an advocate for all children in our country and
0: Yes, and those who are particularly less fortunate because we come from a place of privilege where a lot of mothers in this country, the majority of mothers in this country don't. And I think that this is the type of news that I think more people
1: should be made aware of. Yes. So, bagger the the bisa 10, like, let's actually look at where our tax money is going. You know, we put our heads in the sand with regard to to load shedding and SAA and, and whatnot, but we pay taxes. Like we, <laughs> I think we need to we need to be aware, you know, where all that money is going, and to be fighting, you know, for for what's happening and how, how the rollout is happening. And I know a lot of people kind of feel like they're sh- screaming into a gale force wind, but we need to stand together here on on being informed. I do have to say that I've named several news sources, and there's one news source that I have become pretty loyal to just because, mostly because of the brevity of it, and that's explain.co.za, which is a new platform. I've introduced you to it, Charlene, and and I forward it to my friends all the time, like, isn't this the kind of news you want, guys? It's not necessarily good things, guys. This is, you know, this is the great all stuff happy happening. Stories,
0: yeah. yes. It's, it's any and everything. actual events, yes. Mm.
1: But the platform includes a wrap-up of the news each week. So other people, other journalists, do the hard graft for me. They take all news that has been published in the week. They read all the newspapers and kind of scale through all of the – they scour every single platform, and they then condense that news into need-to-know nuggets of information of – 200 words or less. So, whatever the big stories of the week are, they take it, condense it. A summarized version of what,
0: the, like the highlights reel. It's of highlight the highlights reel of
1: the news, but it's it's simply on a need to know basis. And I think it's done very well, in my opinion. And in parenthood, I've never found news more accessible than that. Mm, I get I an agree. alert each week via email. So, if I'm sitting at my laptop, I can quickly scroll through it. Over email, but most of the time I do scroll um, via the WhatsApp message that I get. You know, if I'm, mm. I'm busy putting the kids down or nursing Noah or, you know, doing something like that, I'm sitting and I can't exactly be engaged otherwise, but I've got my cell phone. Instead of scrolling on social media, I'll open each week, I'll open my, you know, explain message that I got on WhatsApp. And it's not even an app, it's, it's a message that I get. From WhatsApp. So WhatsApp message, yeah. yeah. I find it extremely accessible and brief, and that's what mm. I need, and I'm up to date with the news. And bear in mind, business, this is really not a sponsored post or anything, but I have found this as someone who's worked in the news um, but at the same time just I don't have the headspace or the bandwidth to – go out and inform myself, you know, read, read up. Like I inform myself, I do still inform myself. I do, I do so via explain. There are some longer deep dive pieces and videos and a podcast that you can listen to, but it's the, the wrap up, the short need to know snippets. Mm. That's what I'm here for.
0: And they do, they do in, um, if you go onto their website, uh, they do hyperlink to, if they refer to another article, say, for example, from the Mail and Guardian or whatever, they do hyperlink to those, to those the relevant pieces if you want to read a more in-depth version of the story
1: mm.
0: um but yeah for what i need it for i find it very useful and accessible
1: so who is behind this platform is uh, that's the reason another reason why i'm actually so invested in this product the founder of explain.co.za joins us on the show today mm-hmm. Our guest today, I'm proud to say, is a personal hero of mine and someone whose career I followed closely from her early days at none other than The Mail and Guardian.
0: Varashni Pillay is a journalist, a leader in the news space, an early adopter of digital journalism and an advocate for anti-racism and gender equality.
1: She is also a mom and she's here to guide us in today's discussion on parenting and politics. Welcome, Varashni
2: thanks guys
1: thanks for having me on the show oh we are so i'm so excited i'm so excited and when i get excited Shaline hey, excited too. charlene gets excited and so we're all around all and excited <laughs> i must say i'm so so intimidated by your career oh my no. god <laughs> you are a powerhouse lady but as we say you are also a mom and we want to know who calls you mom
2: Oh, good question. Um, my daughter, who is now 20 months, uh, should call me mom or mama. But the other day, um, a guard, a security guard asked me my name as I was driving into a complex. And I said, Varashni. And she looked at me in shock because she's been learning, what's your name? And she said, Nakni. And I was like, no, no, it's mom. And she said, Nakni. And I was like, no, <laughs> my name is not Nakni. It's mom. And she just loves it now. When she really wants my attention, if I'm not responding I'm immediately, she goes, mom, mama. sweet (laughs) yes so she mostly calls me mom her name is Zimkita
1: I love that and you're you're quite open about her on your Instagram pages on your social media you adopted Zimkita in
2: 2019
1: do you want to share a little bit more about your experience and and uh, the adoption process and your experience as a mother so far because it's early days still
2: Absolutely. It is early days. You guys need to mentor me. Anyway, um, I, um, I've blogged about this, so I'm quite happy to talk about it, but I always wanted to adopt from the time I was a little girl. I don't know why. Um, no, I don't know anyone who was adopted, but I just thought it was the most beautiful thing to do. And, um, as I came up in, you know, my life and I got married, people kind of told me, mostly my mother and mother in law, that I need to try to have my own child first. And that didn't happen. I'm sure you guys have spoken about infertility on this podcast. It's a thing that really gets to a lot of women. Mm. And I know a lot of people who really struggle with infertility, but for me, it was kind of a confirmation of the fact that I wanted to adopt. So I always say adoption was my plan A, not my plan B. So I went back to my plan A. And, um, this gift of a child came into my life quite unexpectedly. We did the process um, and we ended up getting a call from the social worker three or four months before we expected the child saying this child has arrived and we just feel this is your baby. Everyone feels this is your baby. Like everyone just thinks that this is your, like, this is meant for you and your husband. And uh, I was like, how long do I have to decide? And she was like, well, the child's waiting for you. So it's, it's possible. So um, I remember the next morning I kind of like, locked myself in my room and i was like i'm sitting here and i'm going to like pray and like think about it until i emerge with an answer and then i was like no i i have to go meet this child and the worst part was like the photographs were terrible they said oh, no. <laughs> um i couldn't really <laughs> tell what she looked like but then, um we flew down to east london and i have it on video my sister came with me and my husband and i are waiting nervously in this beautiful garden outside the um home and the social worker brings her out and it was just love at first sight it was just like We both were just so speechless and she was four weeks old only. And um, she just looked at us and, you know, we just knew like it was amazing. And we flew back a few days later with her and that's it. She's our baby.
1: I want to ask you a personal question and that's when you needed space to think about it. What were the hesitations? Was it that you didn't have your your pencils sharpened, you didn't have all yeah. of your ducks in a row. What, what were those hesitations?
2: So with every child, um, they are like a set of circumstances. And um, when people adopt, the, the craziest thing happens, they give you a, 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 a spread, like a list of, of things that you need to tick. And on it are, uh, I think like over a dozen conditions. Now she didn't have any conditions, but there were certain aspects of, um, of a circumstance that I needed to process. So, What's insane is that, when, if, you know, when you guys fell pregnant, you couldn't choose the gender or the hair color, <laughs> or like, not that you can choose hair color, but I'm just saying you can <laughs> choose gender, you can choose race. And um, they also tell you, are you comfortable with this condition, this condition, this condition? And it goes from something like minor, like, you know, like a minor condition to like major conditions. And you you, you have to force yourself to think about what you're willing to take on. Um Zumkita and, and a lot of times you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. It's, it's just like with the biological child, you don't know if they're going to have learning difficulties. You don't know if they're going to have disabilities. So a lot of the time it is a step of faith because when they're that young, you don't know. Anyway, Zumkita turns out to be the, like the healthiest person I know. Like she like never gets sick. But um part of it was going and trying to know what are you prepared for? What are you happy to take on?
1: And sort of you know, putting, going through those thought processes because I think as yeah. biological parents, you have... Nine plus months to actually think yes, about these things. Exactly.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, And I'd had a long time to prepare, but I had expected it to come a few months later. So the nursery wasn't ready at all. My work life wasn't ready at all. I had to abruptly take maternity leave. So yeah, um, that I was suppose, those the kinds of thing I had to process.
0: I suppose you're also, you're, you're agreeing or deciding what you, you're prepared to take on, but you don't really know if you're <laughs> capable of taking on these things because you've
2: never experienced them. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy. I, I can't quite explain it, but I'm sure it's the same for a biological mother. Like you don't know until you're in it. Like there's so much about mothering that is a step of faith. Like I um, took forever to decide if I wanted to be a mother at all before I even knew I couldn't have a biological child. I, I would like Google, why did people have children? Like, I just couldn't understand <laughs> if I should have a child or not. It, it, and in the end, it was a step of faith. Like. Um and I'm so happy I took that step. Like it's been the best decision, I'm sure you guys would agree. You know, 100%. I'm a
1: I'm a mom of two and I, I think I Googled just this weekend why do people have children. So <laughs> <laughs> I, think,
0: I, think my husband, I think my husband often
1: Googles, can I
2: return these two?
0: <laughs> what is the return policy on, on kids? <laughs>
2: Yeah, I know. It's not. We want to adopt a second,
1: but we're like, let's just wait one more year. Maybe it's one more <laughs> Let's just see if we can survive this a little bit longer. I think our tagline yeah. for this podcast should be not for sissies. <laughs> I think not we, we you. need to rebrand here, Charlene. <laughs> this I is think what it's about. Too. Oh, Virashi, okay. you, you mentioned that you had to take an abrupt leave. I mean, I think I. what I do think is, I'll comment on this that, um, The suddenness of Zimkita entering your life, very much just that was like that's that's your introduction to parenthood, and it was a very accurate introduction. A lot of us are fooled into too much preparation, only to have the rug Mm -hmm. pulled out from under from under us. What did what did work say? Where were you working at the time,
2: and and how did that pan out? That was terrible. (laughs) So what had happened was um. I had been at Power FM. I was the head of digital there, and it was a very comfortable job. They—they they are one of the few places that paid on was really well. As an executive, I was being paid really well. So I was using that time to—I was working and I was saving a lot of my money to launch my business. I was saving and saving and saving, and um, I and I, and I had this dream of launching a business. I had—they were very kind. They would allowed me to go to the U.S. to do a fellowship. Um, I done the Mandela Washington Fellowship because I'd been a journalist for so long and I, and I wanted to start my own journalism business, but I knew nothing about business. So I went and studied business. It was like mind blowing. And I had my model and my idea ready. And I had my plan, you know, I was going to have the baby at a certain point over the December holidays. And then, you know, I would just take a month or two and the business would be established. Uh, well, I was going to hire someone. And then what happened is as I left uh, Power FM, the baby arrived. I hadn't even – so I'd been running the business on the side kind of, but not in any like – I hadn't hired anyone yet to take over, um, to run it for me while I was on maternity leave. So she came and I had to basically put the business on hold and eat into my savings to pay for my own maternity leave. I was so annoyed that I didn't get company paid maternity (laughs) leave. Um, And then I – and then – so I took – you know, I, a lot of my friends have said to me, "You'll never know if you're the kind of mom who wants to stay at home or the kind of mom who wants to work." And I wasn't sure which way I would swing. But by the second or third month, I was like, "I just want to go to a coffee shop and check my email." Mm. I, I just was really missing <laughs> working as much as I loved being with Zemkita. I put everything on hold, but I, I realized I was ready to go back because I was kind of holding the business lightly. I was kind of like, "If it turns out that I love being at home with this baby, I'm gonna have to just cut my costs, make a plan, and..." do freelance work or something but it turned out that I wanted to go back to the business so I did and um so February I was so excited I was like this is it uh because I had taken maternity leave and I was due to go back in February so I went back in Feb and then a month later COVID hit um so that had that was the kind of trajectory but um yeah we kind of survived it well
1: we are gonna we're gonna pick up from there from that moment your business (laughs) explain is is my go to news source and I tell everybody oh, so that. Bad. It really is.
2: So um, but before it's, it's, before it's, it's we exactly go exactly for women who are moms. It's it's exactly. made for women who are juggling like work and mom and home and who don't have time to read like fifty articles explaining the same thing very badly. <laughs> exactly exactly. <laughs> Not badly, but like like assuming that you've read everything about it and exactly. you Exactly. Exactly yeah.
1: that, and it goes over your head. But look, we're going to go there. But I, I really yeah. first want to take a moment for you here. Yes. As a woman yeah. in journalism in South Africa, you mentioned the Mandela Washington uh, Fellowship.
2: You were yes. a fellow
1: in, in 2016. Oh, Well, you were a fellow and then in, in 2016 you were selected as one of BBC's 100 Women.
2: You've, oh, you know your stuff, yes. Y- yes, I do. That'll happen. You've, you've <laughs>
1: scooped up several accolades. In your career, yeah. the CNN Africa Journalism Award for Digital jo- Journalism, you uh, two standard bank Sivukile Awards, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. You yeah. were news editor of MNG, Mail and Guardian, and
2: then editor in chief. Is that right? Um, I went through a lot of positions. I was before <laughs> You worked your way, way up, consistent. lady. You challenged. Yeah, I, I, you worked, I worked up from a journalist. I was a journalist. I was predominantly at the online department, and then I walked my way out.
1: You, know. you were editor-in-chief of Huffington Post when it landed yeah. here.
0: I can't, I was just going to say, I was looking at the your accolades in the, the circulation that you helped while you were at the Mail yeah. and Guardian, yeah. uh, while you were heading up that um, uh, publication the yes. circulation was just growing from strength to strength. It was the, like the only publication that was showing that kind of improvement in circulation. Exactly. And all the yeah. others were
2: doing like, mm. You know, like it was a, a mm. nominal decline kind of print. Yeah. Yes, so, it's so cl- in, all know, the others. You worked in media. You know how important that is. Um, yes, the yes. The sales,
0: guy. copy sales. It's insane. Congratulations on that. What an achievement, man.
2: Oh, thanks, guys. I worked so hard. Like, I remember once I worked um, at the millen Garden offices in, in my first month as editor. I worked so hard that I didn't realize that the doors are locked at midnight. And um, <laughs> I couldn't get out. Everyone had left. And I had to climb out through a window. <laughs> funny funny. Like, um, because there's so much to do. And I'm really glad... They were on the first floor because now the man in Garden has moved to like the eighth floor. <laughs> I don't know what I would have done. <laughs> I love that
1: you're, that you're saying, thanks, I worked really hard.
2: That's important for yeah. women because
1: yeah. I think a lot of people would poo-poo. It's, oh, it's nothing. Oh, it's just I, I yeah. had a good team behind me. No, you worked hard and you are continuing to work hard. And mm. look, I don't want to get into it, but your, your career has had its moments of um, controversy and you've yes. landed on your feet
2: just, yeah. You just you just keep um, channeling. I love it. Yeah, it's, it's it's interesting that you say that. It's it's. Um, I probably should thank the team, <laughs> um, but um, it's interesting that you say that because you have to have a good balance between believing in yourself and being humble enough to see where you went wrong. And that's a, it's a it's, that's a, a, a an interesting line for a woman generally because we're constantly doubting ourselves. Um 100%. one thing, I've, one thing I've realized from interviewing loads of people because I've hired so many people I've literally done hundreds of interviews is that and also doing uh key performance assessments with women versus men is that women doubt themselves insanely and also seeing the way women don't put themselves forward for promotions they don't believe they can do it so um it's very hard to undo millennia of patriarchy and, and I know it sounds kind of like cheesy but it's very hard to undo the internal stuff it does to us so When I had the lows of my career, I had to walk a very fine line between going, where do I need to be humble? Where do I need to take feedback? Where do I need to do better? And where do I need to push back and say, no, that's not how you would treat a man who made the same mistake. Um, And not self-flagellate endlessly and also push back and say, you know, I made a mistake, but it wasn't everything. It doesn't define me. Um, Especially because of the voices that speak out against women generally are very Mm -hmm. loud. And, and, they, and they're and coded. They use. They don't say you've messed up because you're not white or you're not a man or you're not old. They use coded language. But you need to um, also at the same time learn to take criticism. So, yeah. Good luck with that, everyone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is a lot to, to be able to do. I I, I admire
2: you greatly. It, right? I think all of yeah. them have to do it. Like you guys start on this podcast. Um, like pushing back against a narrative that says, Oh, you're not gonna have enough energy, like the children are gonna take all your time. Like you, like, just do something easy. Don't like wait till the children are at school. Like like we all have to do it in little in little ways.
1: And narratives yeah. about what motherhood should look like. I think, I think that's exactly. our most difficult one that, that
2: we're navigating. So, so I think all and a lot of women like yourselves are highly qualified. Um, but when you let's say one day you decide to go back into the corporate space, you you're gonna you're gonna have to like push back against certain things where you know there's gonna be Young guns that try to might try to undermine you to say no. I know what I'm doing. Actually, I think a lot of women at different stages in their life are made to doubt themselves in every which way. When they're young, they're too young. They're too old. They're too this. They're too that. Yeah.
1: Mm. Well, as I say, you you're such a, a shining example for women looking to navigate media and and the space. Yeah. You know, of of it's a man's world. It really is a man's world, and especially in in media and news media.
2: But it's here you us, are,
1: yeah. here you are with explain and the rationality, you did yeah. uh, mention it, but I want you to, to kind of uh, go back to when you thought about it, why you thought about it and, and what made you take the leap to get started while, so you moved from Huffington Post to Power FM, oh, yes. you resigned from Huff and then moved to Power and while you were at Power, you started the side hustle. With a vision yes. of starting your own media business, um, yeah. along and I, and I'm thinking like really taking the the digital leap here for and and taking uh, in mind like really you're really attuned to the way that people are starting to consume news or are already that consuming helps, yeah. news. I really yeah. think you are. None of us have time, and I don't know whether it's because we're mothers or whether this is the way the world is going. People are picking up news um from social media they're not really yeah. well a, a lot of um, i can't make a generalization but a lot of people are not re- picking up a newspaper or reading mm, and not. they don't have time no. to read all that the daily daily maverick puts out as amazing as what is the, what they are and our news yeah. sources are like so much. it's like three thousand yeah. words and i don't have time for that okay i'm speaking Absolutely. a lot no, it's it's so everything you're saying is, is the answer. <laughs> I <laughs> um, want I want you to to st- take us to the very beginning of where that that seed was planted idea, for yeah. you. Yeah.
2: yeah. All right. So I um I love news, but I was kind of like an anomaly amongst my friends. You know, who loved news. Like when I was a kid. When I was a teenager, my friends used to mock me because I used to come home and watch Parliament Live sometimes. I don't know why I did that. I'm so strange. <laughs> but I loved news so much. When I was 10 years old and our first elections happened, I was like out there being like, South Africa's a democracy. <laughs> um, and But increasingly, um, my, my, my brain was wired to kind of like enjoy news, but... I realized that so many of my very smart friends, especially women, did not follow the news. And they were incredibly smart people, and they cared about the world they lived in. Um, and then as I studied the... Mo- and then I got into my dream job with the Men and Guardian, and I was reading these, like... They, the, they would be these investigative articles, that would be a double-page spread, and it would just be dense text. And then I would be in the ones in the dime meeting, going, we need to break up the dense text, because people are commenting, because I was online i could see the comments i could see the social media i was like people are saying they can't read this like it's i I can see the clicks people are reading the they're reading the like explanation about the about the investigative story they're not reading the investigative story like it's two thousand words like the condensed
0: version so you can just get there what is this about and like like the highlights yes
2: like a little editorial which is like a 200 word opinion piece about it everyone's reading that to understand what it's about and I would, and they would be like, "Oh yeah, we have got to try hard. We have got to try hard." I was working with Amma Bungani very closely, trying. That's what I won the CNN Africa Journalism Award for. I created an explainer on one of their stories. So, just explain
1: um, your. Um, that is the the investigative division of Mail and Guardian.
2: Yeah, it was the investigative division of Mail and Guardian. It then spun off, and it's now independent, and it's headed up, headed up by like the best investigative journalists in the country, if not the continent. Sam Sam um, Sam Sol and Stefan and um, but they were just like. So careful, you got to be so careful with the legal stuff that you have to put all the stuff into the copy that makes it so hard to read. And they're also just like older guys. I can just say that about them. I don't think they would mind. They're just older guys. Um, and they don't get how like younger people and women read, right? So um, the, the seed was planted there because I was constantly watching the stats and the analytics and watching how people consumed news and, what they, and the kind of headlines they were drawn to. And it's not true that South Africans just click, clickbait. They want to know what's happening, but it was just so dense and so hard for them to read. And so I was always that advocate in the newsroom trying to create explainer journalism, trying to create easier to understand journalism, listicle, so on. Um, And then as I became aware of the model of journalism and the worldwide stats. So when I got chosen as one of the BBC top 100 women, um, it was all about. The theme for that year was the lack of women in news, and I was in a panel and and they had done a whole bunch of research across the world about the lack of women's sources in news, but also the lack of how news is made for women. And if you think about it, like every other industry, it was predominantly a male industry. It was made for men by men. They've now tacked us on as readers and consumers like so many other industries without fundamentally changing the model not that women can't read long pieces of copy, but um, I'm not sure even men want to read long pieces of copy these days. That's not digestible. It was just made for a very certain era, a very certain person. And I feel like it didn't serve current audiences.
0: I think also when life was, uh, sorry to interrupt you, in my mind, life is much more fast paced these days. Like very few people have the time to sit down and just read through this lengthy article
2: Absolutely. And I think um, the model didn't change to match the digitization, because like, the medium is the message. So before, typically the man, if you think about 60s America, would sit with his newspaper while his wife ran around getting the children ready and doing all (laughs) the household labor that wasn't being paid, that we now have helpers that we pay to do because it's not possible to keep a house clean and cook for your children all by yourself and have a career. I just don't think it's, it's possible. Like it's, you are going to get burnt out. Yep. But um, back in the day, women did that unpaid labor and, and men had time to sit at the breakfast table and read that paper. So it was made for that kind of scenario. And now that has changed, thankfully. Um, so then I feel like the model didn't change fast enough. So um, I wanted to answer this question this issue and I went in a fellowship to try to figure it out and, and, and came up with lots of different things. I wanted to solve all the problems and that was one of the things I had to bring down. Um, I wanted to do funny news like John Oliver and Trevor Nova. I also wanted to bring comedians into the news. I wanted to do everything and I had to kind of bring it down and um, the, the thing that has stuck and been the most successful has been the, the rap which is a rap of the news of the week and it's sent over WhatsApp and it's always um, it's like 10 stories that are about 200 words each that, that um, explain it as if you don't haven't followed it closely. We link to explainers. We're trying to build up our database of explainers that when we say the interest rate has been cut, what is the interest rate? What does cutting it mean? When we say the hawks did a swoop, who are the hawks? How do they fit into the larger justice system? But to do all of that in a conversational way so you don't feel like you're at school and to insert some jokes. <laughs> and then also the medium being very important, we send it out over WhatsApp and also as an audio note so you can listen to it while you know you don't have time to read it. So that's the the main flagship product of what we do. And we're looking to expand into other areas. And yeah, it's been really exciting and fulfilling and it's been slow growth, but it's exactly women like you that I am interested in serving. A lot of like experts in news in South Africa have told me that I'm on the wrong track because um, they said that news audiences in South Africa are very sophisticated. They love talking about politics. And that's true. A certain kind of South African loves talking about politics and knows the inner workings of the ANC better than I could as a journalist, you know. But if you look at the stats of who those people are, if you look at the digital stats of who's clicking on the news to new force and the big websites, as far as I can tell, there are a third of the audience of South Africans who are online. That means two-thirds of South Africans who are online are just casually getting their news, which they don't fully understand on, on Facebook or Twitter. So um so it's been slow growth because I'm, I'm needing to attract people who don't actually watch, read the news full stop. Me, Um, people like
0: me. Yeah, exactly. That's who you're looking to attract,
2: yes, 100%. And typically people who start news websites will go after that same core audience who love news. And that's why you get more and more of the same kind of news. That is hard to understand. And I'm trying to do something different so the growth has been slow. So I'd I'd like to affirm you
1: by putting my own ass on the line here. (laughs) Really? And that's – I was trying to think what happened. Something happened in the news with – electricity and the tariffs and...
2: Um, there was a big announcement on Friday that yes, there were yes. the number of watts that an independent producer could produce. I mean, it was completely produce, confusing. Yes. And everyone was like, yeah! Varashni.
1: <laughs> I worked at Engineering News. I wrote extensively about ESCOM. I looked at their results. I, like, worked in that. Wow. I, I can't tell you what that meant. I had to, like, I'm like, that's important. My brain is hurting I need to sit down yes. and, and because I'm, I'm in amongst weaning and yeah. childcare yeah. and yeah. worried about school pickup. Yes. I heard it on the news, on the radio, on the way to and, school pickup. And they was like, you on your,
0: your news with like no context. Yes. <laughs> exactly. And I was like, okay, I must remember to ask my husband
1: about that because it makes no bloody sense to me. They're telling you it's really good news for the country, right? Like that's what they're telling you. <laughs> just say it. So, I can understand. And that's what I would yes. do as a reporter, especially in. Yes, I was writing for, for businessmen and, and, you know, yeah. just a trade to trade publication where I yeah. used to work. More
2: advanced audience, yeah.
1: But, um, or oh, business to business was a trade publication. But yes. I still would sit with these businessmen and these CEOs and be like, tell me like you're telling your four year old because I yeah, don't exactly. get it. I need it's to understand. To and yeah. I'm not a stupid woman. I'm not a stupid woman. So I'd really... Oh,
0: look at this woman. She's so (laughs) foolish. She has nothing.
1: I believe you're onto something. And whoever I speak to, um, fellow moms and my friends who go, I can't. I'm so over. I mean, last year, I'm so over COVID news. I'm so over ESCOM woes. I can't. I just want to stick my head in the sand. I send them. I just forward from my WhatsApp. I go, just... Subscribe to this because oh, I'm so glad you'll kind of know you'll know what's going on, but you won't be so in it. Your mind won't be clouded yeah. or cluttered with what's happening.
2: So yes, I believe- it's so interesting because that story that you guys are mentioning, we did it as our big story because it broke as we were putting out the wrap. Yes. It, it was the most. It was the worst timing because we we uh, we. I must say we do a lot of work because trust is so important so we do fact checking we triple check each thing we don't report rumor allegations because that also puts people off. They're like oh now the news has changed um so we do triple checking fact checking that's something I learned from my half post experience but um so we're sitting there and I I don't like to do things quickly but I'm like I have to report this it's so important my husband works in solar I asked him to explain the story to me I'm just like dude I'm like, can you just tell me simply? And he ties again. I'm like, I just don't know what you're doing here. Then he and I'm like, how many washing, how many washing machines can a one megawatt power? And he sends me a calculation. I was like, you know what, never mind. So I wrote it up, and our sub editor, how many washing it. machines can? And one? He was like, I love that. <laughs> he just like went on and on, and then. I don't know what he was saying, and he's like, "Let me write it." And he wrote it. I was like, "I'm not putting this in the draft." <laughs> no, no, it's <he> <laughs> not understand this. It's so technical. Then my, our sub editor, who is a working woman, I said, "Look, I'm going to change the story." She was like, "Please just write it so I understand it, because I have no idea what everyone's talking about with the." And I wrote it, and I sent it to Farel Hafaji, who is our, um, is our like our mentor. She said, "Because she understands the story," she was like, "Perfect." And Tash, who was our sub editor, said, "Oh, thank God, I finally understand it." So I <laughs> um, see. So that story for me was a prime example. So what I did is I did five points is this is what it means in simple terms this is how it's going to change things. Um and for me that's that's the heart of what we do.
0: I must say also reading your news doesn't make me feel like I want to jump off a bridge and not it's live anymore. In head,
2: yeah, like, I mean
0: <laughs> because the so news bad. can be really depressing let's be honest it's, but and I, but I you, used to think it's a South African thing but it,
2: it's an international thing. It's no, like, man, it's like news everywhere terrible. is depressing.
0: <laughs> but the thing is that that information needs to be reported to the world. You need to know what's happening yeah. in the world. Yeah. And especially when you're when I was a youngster, teenager, like a young adult, I was just living in that little ignorance bubble where yeah. I was just like, mm, I don't care about this. I'm not going to let it affect me. I'm yeah, just going to yeah. ignorance is bliss, you know. Bad.
1: It does, yeah. But I'm a
0: parent now, I have to be a little bit more responsible with my knowledge, because how do I exactly raise it. children, ignorance is bliss until you're, it's not anymore, you know? Yeah, you know,
2: When children come into the picture, everything changes, like you care deeply about things like masculinity, yes. <laughs> you, know, you want your boys to be good boys, you want your yes. girls to be safe. Like suddenly you're like okay no I really, I really actually it's become personal now you know exactly yeah well, well so this affects this, me.
1: this became sort of a, a mission for me a 2021 mission for me as my my second born was, was came into the world in October last year, and I'm navigating I'm still in the throes of postpartum, and I'm oh, looking really? you know, he's he's almost eight months but. I'm I'm feeling as raw as I felt at, at two weeks and I yeah. I definitely think that COVID and the the pandemic and the the socioeconomic, you know, implications of it is what's pulling me down, but I'm also looking at at the state of motherhood in South Africa. We've we've done extensive work with embrace dot org, oh, wow. the That's um
2: so nonprofit That's organization
1: so cool. and we have looked at, I mean, if I'm struggling, I'm an upper, upper middle class white woman. If I'm, if I'm struggling, how are most mothers in South Africa struggling? And the statistics so are shocking. And I think what really got me was Embrace put out, a, it was a social media post or something that mentioned why we should be paying attention to the budget and to the mm-hmm. State of the Nation address. And the penny dropped for me. I was like, it's not just because I left news journalism, you know, hard news journalism and went into um, more features, stories and and, and that and corporate copywriting, but also just writing features, something that I love. And I I thought to myself, I'm moving away because I'm really not interested in that. And my mind shifted. When you saw
2: that, eh? When I saw that and I thought,
1: hang on, I... I I need to be interested in this. I need to be invested in this. I need to know about this. Yes.
2: So I did a bunch of research on this, on the kind of person I wanted to reach. And the kind of person I wanted to reach, again, like you guys are very typical of it, are not hopeless about their world. They're not, they, they, they want, they believe that they can make a difference. They have limited energy. They have limited resources, but they want to believe, they want to know how they can be good citizens and they want to know what's happening in a, in a, in a, in a, in an effective, efficient way, because they, they have a lot going on. So we, one of our key pillars is something called solutions journalism. Whenever we report on things, we make a point to report on the larger trends of things that are improving over time that don't make the news, because it's not a big event. So if you study the way news is created, um, it, it hinges on events. So larger trends over time don't make the news. Like HIV, AIDS in South Africa, um, gradually getting better and better and better has never made a huge headline even though it's a really good story about how we turn that around um you know the electrification of homes water all of those things those those are smaller things but the the, the, those kind of like trend driven outcomes don't make the news so we try to report that but then another thing is when things go wrong to say how can it be better who's trying to make it better um so we don't just go all municipalities are terrible. We say this municipality is doing something really good. Citizens are partnering to do this. We explain how people can get involved. Uh, we, that's very important to us to never leave the reader feeling like they want to blow their brains out. I have this joke about how every editorial I read in the business publications always ends with like, "This is it. If government <laughs> does not get together, this is it. It's always this is it." Like with <laughs> South Africans. It's always about to end. And you're like, what happens after it ends? Like, it's not clear, you know. Like, <laughs> What happens after we it junk ends? Status it just and life ends. That's on. the end.
0: Yeah, yeah, Dark it like, doom.
2: <laughs> it was like, this is it. It's done. And, and I acknowledge there is real peril. I mean, if we'd gone over the fiscal cliff with the whole Gupta thing, things would have gone on really dire. Mm. But like, for instance, something like junk status, it's pretty bad, but life carries on. We need to get out of junk status. But we're in junk status now for like 10 years. People were like, we're heading towards junk status. Like <laughs> now we're in it. And now, now we're, we're still alive. <laughs> and um, I'm not saying junk status is fine, we've got to get out of it, but I didn't I didn't explain it, explaining how we were actually in junk status before as a yes. country, and we got out of it. And we got into like triple A status. Um, and how we did that and how we can do it again. And we actually this last week, we've done a lot of the things we need to do, like offloading SAA, this electricity news, to ca- try to get there. But just um, to get back to the idea of negativity, I once was on a panel with this very um, well-known investigative journalist from Germany, and you would think Germany would be the opposite of us, wouldn't be hysterical, wouldn't think the world's ending all the time, it has a much stronger um, economy than ours. And he was like, journalists have to stop telling their audiences the world's ending all the time because <laughs> German newspapers are doing the same thing. And he said, we we pitch everything at an eight or a nine out of ten to get their attention, to get them to buy the newspaper or open the article. And we don't realize that some things are just a 4 out of 10 or a 3 out of 10. It's not that bad. But we always pitch it and frame it as the end of the world to get them to open the article. And what you're doing is exhausting your audience. You've exhausted yes, them. Yes,
0: because people <laughs> will buy newspapers or, or subscribe to things that offers good news.
2: I when it so. seems
0: like there's 100%, people need hope. I believe yeah. in my heart of hearts, and I, I I, feel that way. And I believe I cannot be the only person that feels that way.
2: No, and I, there is people, hope. That's the I worst think- part. It isn't. I mean, the fact that you guys are working with this organization to help moms. There's so many people like you doing this kind of thing. There's so much hope in our country. So many things that are going right. Not just like, oh people like us doing small things in our communities. There's like things on a macro level in business. I mean, I just read a story about this, uh, this mining company in Barberton who was so depressed by, in a, um, by like unemployment and they couldn't offer enough jobs. So they started a blueberry farm. They were just like, you know what? We're starting a farm. We need to offer more jobs. And <laughs> oh like, there's so many things that are going right in our country, and our world. But because the journalism model is built on bad news sales, we don't hear about it enough. And there is hope out there and we do need it as consumers.
0: Hundred percent. I think people need to see that light at the end of the tunnel, however yeah. small it may be.
2: However small, I often call, I often talk about the slivers of 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 hope. I often talk about the the light here, and the light there, because people need to see that light. You know. And
1: people 100%. are drawn to stories about other people. I would hundred yeah. percent read the story about the blueberry farm
2: I mean, over and above
1: a, a large mining company's you know annual results. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> also makes you feel good inside. It just really restores your faith in humanity
0: a little bit yeah, because I, when, when people are horrid and do horrid things, it makes me feel like, is there no, is there people no end? That, is there no one that is good in this world anymore? Yeah, if, exactly. if, if if there's no love and no good and no compassion, then what do we have left? So and when you I mean, hear when you hear stories yeah. like that, it is depressing. Then you think you know what? I've brought two children very ignorantly into this world <laughs> before my for my own bloody vanity reasons, yeah. Yeah, vanity. Yeah. It, makes wonder, yes.
2: it makes me doubt your whole mothering project. Yeah, exactly. But I think thing, like, is that you know the idea uh, that the world is overpopulated. That's another wrong idea. Like you know, you may you may feel guilty about having children sometimes. Or people who are like, "Oh, the world is overpopulated." Hundred percent example of like a non fact. So a book that guides us is called Factfulness by Hans Rosling, and um, it's a bit complicated to understand. But the idea that the world is overpopulated is only because of a, a quirk in our particular generation. People used to have five to seven children to help on the farm because child mortality rates were really low, high. So you'd lose like 60 percent of your children. So it was an insurance policy to have lots more. So then our parents and maybe their parents had lots of children, but then health outcomes dramatically improved and all those children stayed alive. And then the next generation was like, that's expensive. Let's have two to three children. So the idea that the world population is exploding was based on one particular quirk in history, Yes. And that is not true. So every time people still make people feel guilty about having children, it's nonsense. And so yeah. many women out there are going, oh, maybe I shouldn't have a third child. No, it's there's no such thing as that there's not enough resources. We just got to manage our resources responsibly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So things like that, like mothers are made to feel guilty for having children mm-hmm. because people don't oh, sh- know the facts of the And then and- when
0: you do have children, you're made to be <laughs> feel guilty because but you I'm want doing. to go back to work or because yes. you you choose not to breastfeed. Or yeah, it's yeah.
2: just ridiculous. I can't can I tell you how many women are like, who are very, you know, like breastfeeding has become a cult. I mean, you guys probably know <laughs> that. When the realize I don't breastfeed, like their face, and they're like, they can't quite judge me, and I'm like. Dude, seriously, the child's gonna be fine. Like, relax. Yes.
1: <laughs> we we always joke about Charlene's children had formula and mine didn't, and you can clearly see how superior <laughs> mine are to hers. Okay, <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I mean, mine's <laughs> starting to
0: grow extra f- appendages. No. Yeah. Because- <laughs>
2: No, but like, it's, it's weird. It's like, I don't really <laughs> understand because I'm not a biological mother, but it's like someone told them that they're producing liquid gold. No offense. I think it's great what you guys are doing as breastfeeding mothers. It's not everything. It's not okay, everything. I'm going to if I offend someone. My,
1: breastfed child, <laughs> no, my no. breastfed child still has to go see an OT, possibly, for sensory processing disorder. Like... What what did all my liquid gold do? Where did it go? <laughs> Look, I
2: don't want to get us into trouble. So forgive yeah, me. No, no, They're gonna come jokes for us. Jokes are jokes. I They're gonna we'll, come for I us. Think Cancel culture. Is beautiful. <laughs> I just can't do it. Like, do you know that adoptive mothers can do this thing where you take medication to breastfeed? Yes, I, I do. do. I, I read about that. system. I was like, no, thank you. Like that's insane.
1: Do you wanna you be pumping like a... more hormone? Actually, I wanna find someone yes, who's done that. I would love to, interview to talk that to woman. them, I would be yeah. so
2: interested in that. In traditional societies, um, the grandmothers would apparently uh, simulate, because if you do it with yes. your breast, it would, but, but but now I read an article, you've got to take this anti-nausea medication that has a side effect of lactation, but you've got to take like five times a day and you've got to pump for like months before the child arrives.
0: Yeah. So, it's interesting. I'd love to. You're hear teaching that. your breasts to produce milk. Yeah, even so you can't the, actually do it. Yeah, right. even though the natural natural hormones weren't triggered, by, uh, on the yeah. basis of having given a vaginal it's birth, it's
1: actually fascinating. There's content, yeah, kind of guys. There's content galore. We need to talk, but we digress. Uh, okay, so we are digressing. <laughs> I I want to chat about COVID because yeah. I feel like. And I I wanted to ask you this. I I don't know whether it was a pain in your ass in starting a business as a pandemic hit or a blessing in disguise. Because for me, I was pregnant. I had to drown out the noise. And I said to Charlene, I'm only listening to this platform. And it was yours. Um, Oh, yeah. That's it. Sam was like,
0: I'm out. I'm not consuming any other news because I can't do it i can't i'm gonna kill myself if i do so
2: did (laughs) you see it as a blessing um to be honest i was crying at one point it was so hard (laughs) um my husband lost his job you know a lot of people lost their jobs in that time and i had left a very stable job so um there was no real way to monetize what i was doing i mean you can't. had a child child. child, child. that's a big thing you can't ask people to pay for news given what i want to do i want to reach people who don't read the news i I, i'm I'm going to probably launch a donation model at some point and ask people who love the news to donate but i never want to put it behind a paywall that's the problem you know people aren't getting proper news because everything's behind a paywall these days so i won't lie launching during a pandemic was really hard i had to really dig deep but i think coming out of it means that you can get through anything so when the business slows down at one point um all my because we have a, a parallel business where we do um, marketing for companies. Like we run a small boutique digital agency to subsidize the journalism. That's kind of the business model. And at one point, like all my contracts suddenly dried up because I think COVID hit organizations late. So 2020 people kind of hung on at the beginning of 2021. People started started cutting their costs, and um, I had to let go of a lot of my staff and rebuild the team. And that was really hard at the beginning of this year. But because I'd come through the pandemic, I had a bit more resilience built in. So it was very hard. Um, it was very hard to think about how to make money, how to sustain the business. I'd won a small grant, but it, it forced me to really do it. You know, you had to like sink or swim.
1: I want to answer a question for our listeners, on behalf of our listeners. So for the moms listening who have their heads stuck firmly in the sand, because it's a lot, there's a lot going on. Um, our politics is, is not nice to hear about. Sure, there are good stories, but there's so much corruption. We live in a very anxious state with a lot of crime. COVID is still a reality. We're in the third wave. A lot of people's jobs have been impacted. And then, sorry to interrupt, just this morning, I was reading a
0: lot of negative commentary on um, the vaccine rollout,
1: people oh, are so exactly. negative. Our government this, yes. our government yeah. that. No, 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 no. It's very negative. And as yeah. a as a mom, a new mom twice over now, I feel very despondent. My UIF hasn't paid out. That is, and we had to lay off um, our our uh, helper at home and her uh, to get her, oh. you know. UIF just as just from a citizen's point of view, it's. I think people are very despondent, and, and we serve mothers here, and mothers. I don't think mothers are held in our society, and were we to pay attention, I see with with the likes of embrace and organizations like them, they're trying so hard to to serve mothers, but it doesn't feel like it's landing on the right ears. People are despondent, and it just stands to reason why mothers feel disempowered, and why we're all sticking our heads in the sand. So why? Why should mothers be paying attention to the news?
2: That's a really good question. And I think it comes back to what Charlene said earlier. It's like having a child changes everything. And and we need to increase our stake in the public sphere as mothers. For so long, mothers have been limited to the private sphere. Um, they don't have a say in public decisions. That has been the norm for our world for generations. We're the first or second generation that are different, where mothers are able to have a, f- a say in the public sphere. And that is Im- crucial because before that, people who were not mothers were making decisions on our world. The people who were not mothers were making decisions about how elections were run, about how workplaces should look, about how work hours should look. about the how education, our children's education. education. People who were not mothers. And if you think about that, We are in an exciting time. It doesn't seem exciting. It seems like a lot of pressure, but um, we're in an exciting time where our voice counts. Our grandmothers' voices didn't count. Our great-grandmothers' voices couldn't even, our great-grandmothers couldn't even vote. I mean, if you think about that, that's, that's frightening. So not to put pressure on us to see this potential, to see this opportunity for us to change the status quo in small ways. You don't have to fix the whole world. Starting a podcast like you guys have done, partnering with Embrace, is an incredible thing to do. But to do these kind of things, you need to know what's happening in your world. You kind of need to know the basics. I'm not saying you should take out a subscription to like business day and read it every day. As a mother, you probably don't have time for that. Find a product that you value, you know, whether it's mine, whether it's another one that can just give you the basics of what you need. Find an area that you're interested in. Maybe you're interested in, like, I am personally interested in the idea of independent independent candidates standing for election. I want to support people outside of the main political parties because I think they'll be more accountable. Um, Find an area that you're interested in. Maybe it's schools, education, um, transformation in schools. And just put out an alert on Google for those stories only and just read those stories. That's your area of interest. But don't ever feel silenced. I think mothers, I think this idea of this negativity in the world is another way of silencing you and just refuse to be silenced. Um, Refuse to be sidelined. Um, You know, make yourself visible in the public sphere.
1: Mm,
0: Refuse to be sidelined. I really like that. Yeah. What is
1: next for you, Varashni, and what is next for Explain?
2: Okay, wow. Um, so we are relaunching our website. It's taken a long time to get there, and at the same time, we'll we'll launch our donor program because um, running two businesses with one subsidizing the other is exhausting. <laughs> um, so uh, we're going to we need to um, launch the donor program, and and I want to get Explain out there to more people, so you know, to market it better and um, to just keep on going. I've realized that running a business is a marathon. I'm, I was used to quick uh, wins in my career, as you guys listed e- e- earlier. Like I, I, I was at a stage in my career once, it sounds so vain, but if a year had gone by and I hadn't won an, won an award, I'd be like, what am I doing? And now I really need to realize that it's like a long game. They aren't accolades. They aren't like, yay, it's a very small, slow win. It's like just sustaining the business and making a profit is a win. <laughs> so um, being able to hire one more person is a win. Um, so just to keep going and to keep growing the business and to hopefully um, start reaching more, Amazing women like yourselves, and serving them, and 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 serve and meeting their needs, so that they can be empowered, engaged citizens of this world. My dog, my dog is the worst. <laughs> your your dogs agree. They're, they're. <laughs>
1: hashtag motherhood. My hashtag running after me. Work from home. <laughs> yes. I, I honestly can't thank you enough for carving out time and letting us lend your brain for this episode of the great equalizer it's uh, not the last from us that you'll hear so i hope you're not sick of our story because we're coming after you for more
2: awesome guys um thank you so much i'm so excited for the work you're doing i think this kind of conversation this kind of community you're building is so invaluable and it really um it really resonates with what i'm trying to do
1: thank you oh, thanks for saying that we needed it we needed <laughs> it Rashni, that's no, amazing thanks for joining us on on the great equalizer
2: take care guys
1: this episode of the great equalizer is sponsored in
0: part by box my memories customized handcrafted memory boxes for treasured keepsakes allowing you to relive your most precious memories visit www.boxmymemories.co.za
1: for more info i have such i I remain committed to Mm. what varashni and her team are putting out uh, my, main, my mind is, has not changed. It's only affirmed why I need to carry on reading. Um, bottom line for me, I don't know what yours is this week, Charlene, but a bottom line for me is that I love what Virashni is doing, but what I find to be extremely important is that all parents need to go out and seek uh, their own preferred platform, which is credible, Make sure that it's credible. Make sure that it's balanced, that you're not only being fed a one sided story, but make sure that you stay informed because, as mm-hmm. exhausted as we are, there is heart when you're a parent and there, there is a deep seated connection between parenting and politics that none of other, well, that I wasn't aware of at first. And it's becoming increasingly obvious to me mm. how. Um, my investments in politics and news feeds into me as a parent. So that's my bottom line. Make sure no, that you're I informed. You,
0: yeah. I guess you've summarized it for me as well. That's, that's really how I feel as well. And I think that's also why we are putting this podcast out all the time, not just because of news, but because of, uh, for parents, accessibility. Accessibility to information, to resources, to expert advice, to to what is important, because, I mean, let's be honest, you only really start thinking really in-depth about these types of things and the world we live in, how um, music uh, affects our children and how what's happening to the education system affects our children and the healthcare system or how we're being taught about our uh, sexuality. There's so many things. You start thinking about those things really in-depth when you're a person. So, that's really what this podcast is about, and it's great that we we found, Varashni to talk to us because she's a parent and she understands that, which is clearly why she's doing what she's
1: doing. Mm, and I hope she continues to do it, guys. If 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 you feel led to stay on top of the news, you know that I would, um, you know, send you a link to explain, in a heartbeat. <laughs> I even think uh, for those on our social media, we'll put it up on our bio so that. People yeah. have want to accessibility see about, yeah. Mm-hmm. but uh, i think yes we have started this podcast so that we can talk we can open discussions about the, mm-hmm. the, the, some of the tougher topics and we can keep mm. talking so how about we do just that
0: exactly we say this every week if you want to chat to us or weigh in on this conversation or if there's any news platform or anything that you think is worth no, for us to know about or worth mentioning um, that we can put our audience in touch with let us know dm us a voice note on instagram at the great equalizer podcast or you can just record one on your phone and email it to us at info at the great equalizer.co.za.
1: also feel free guys please to tag us in any of your social media posts, something you find interesting, something you want us to pick up in a discussion. We are here for it. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter and we love to chat to you guys and to see what you're into.
0: Yes, exactly. Your support, it's so important to us. Any engagement with any of our listeners or our followers, whether it be um, from listening to the podcast or something you saw that we put out on social media, every
1: like, every love, every comment means the world to us. Please keep them coming. And please don't forget to review us on Apple podcasts or rate us on Facebook, or in fact, wherever you, you do access us, please make sure you you, um, rate and review us, give us a thumbs up or a thumbs down, give us some stars, Give us some feedback. Let us know what you're loving. Let us know what you're not so keen on. But we want to we know. We want feedback from you guys. And hit the subscribe button. That's the only way you'll get notified about when there's a new episode.
0: Exactly. The more we're seen, the better this podcast will do and the
1: better we can be for you. And so that is it for this week. We've got something um, steamy coming up next time, Charlene. I'll leave it at that. Mm. until next time keep keep your mom game game strong
0: for more on today's show please head on over to our website at www.thegreatequalizer.co.za or catch us on instagram at the great equalizer podcast or on facebook if you want something a little more personal email us at info at the .co.za and we'll get back to you.